Welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story So Farscape. Oh, we're back to the sort of creature of the, of week. the week. Yes. <laughs> yeah, episode of the week is a weird way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after the 29-part surprise epic of Look at the Princess, we're back yes. to just a simple adventure on board Moya, no exotic locations. Just everything happens in uh, aboard Moya, yes. Uh, although I did notice one thing. It's like, do they have a new corridor? I had, like, corridors and corridors and corridors. In my notes, they have so many corridors. So uh, this episode is uh, Beware of Dog, Season 2, Episode 14. And, yeah, it it sort of reminded me of Through the Looking Glass with just how bit. many corridors there are. Yes, uh, and although we know, we have it on good account that there was literally only, like, three or something, which, like, you've got the intersection that joins it together where there's the three corridors coming together. Yeah, they, they had, like, four of those. They just used it. They could sort of move around in different yeah. combinations. And this is... Okay, and we'll move that. It's such a great design. I, for the I set. did now, however, notice something that you said right at the beginning of this season. Oh, that, like the the corridors seem to be a little bit smaller. That's definitely yeah. that definitely seems yeah, to have yeah, come yeah. into uh, into play right now. Because after season one, they had to move to a different well. It's called a studio yeah. is, is generous. It's kind of a shed with a tin roof. Mm. It's where they also switched to doing all the dialogue in uh, an ADR. So in post, it's it's re-recorded yeah. because when it rains, it sounds like Dresden being bombed. Like they they would barely be able to hear one another uh, because of, yeah, just because of the water crashing on the tin roof. So they just all be like yelling their lines. It's also why like. Season two onward got a lot more energy because a lot of the times, you know, during the rainy season, when it rains, they're all yelling. <laughs> okay, yes. Wow, we're okay. really getting into it. Right, yeah. So we have a few synopses about today's episode. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, Wookie says, it's invasion of the body snatchers meets a case of mistaken identity <laughs> when the crew brings aboard a creature bred to seek out space parasites. John's chess game improves, Aaron loses her patience, and Rigel tells a scary story. Ooh. Thank you for that one, Wookie. From a Peacekeeper Jedi, we have Chiana buys a dog and the hunt is on for a critter loose on Moya. Will it find the critter or will it just thump Aaron's leg? Yes. Plus, Rigel and Dargo come down with some illness that even Zahn can't figure out. That kind of describes the episode perfectly. Okay, so this sort of hones in on... Okay, music first. Zahn. I want to talk about Zan because she gets fucking nothing to do except not solve the mystery. Yes, she's just like, oh, she's just doing her science and she's got her fancy little square microscope which she can see poison with. Yes, so she's always like leaning over the microscope or waving the sort of wand and she's got like I a noticed, holographic I, image. I noticed that, that was a new toy that she got, mm -hmm. acquired at some point. It's a science tool. So it, at first it looks like one of those lights that you have at a building site which you can just like move around. Like one of those tube lights with a hook on it so you right. can just hang it exactly. on things. Exactly, one yeah, of those things. Super useful, but they, those but they, things. But they put a cable on it and now it's like they're uh, some kind of holographic she's just waving them. and yeah whatever, you get this yeah. like beautiful uh, 3d uh, cross-section of dargo uh, yeah spinning around it it's not a clamshell but it's like clearly clamshell technology yes it, it looks sort of 3d it's like a tube sort of set up uh, like it's I, I sort of wanted to pause it there and just really study it to see if he really does have two of everything oh very good hmm. you blame that on feeling cold well <laughs> maybe that's how he keeps china interested <laughs> <laughs> Large appetites. But yeah, like, Zan is being demoted to just, like, the science failure because, well, okay, so her observations eliminate some suspicion because all of this episode is centred around, like, the creature of the week, 
Mm-hmm. Turns out, I mean, there are two creatures, but they're actually one creature. But oh, they're actually. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Well, everybody, okay. So everybody who listens to this has seen the episode, so they know it's about the Vork. Way ahead. And that's a case of mistaken identity because mm-hmm. the the Vork turns out to be a creature with sort of performance dimorphism. Yes. But it's misunderstood as two creatures, and one of them is considered to be a threat, and one of them is considered to be useless. Well, on behalf of lesser life forms everywhere, I accept the compliment. And it's a really interesting creature. So I am once again able to crack open oh. the Creatures of Farscape There book. we go. Yep. So I'm going to hand you the page. Now, for the listeners at home, you're actually going to get the benefit of this a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, the Vork creature was actually a sculpt that Dave Elsie, he's the head of the creature department yeah. and makeup, did when he was like 18 or 19 as a demo. And he tweeted that image to us as well in an unrelated conversation sometime oh, earlier. Nice. So in the show notes, I'll put a little link to, uh, yes, to that. Yes, I love the little uh, glowy tips at the end of its head. It's got uh, little E.T. Hor- lights on yes. the edge of its uh, little E.T. Little the lights on its fingers, though. Yeah, well, it's not yeah. the first or not the only E.T. reference that we get in this episode. So Crichton does say, ouch. This critter kind of reminded me of one of your favorite things in a theme park that we have here in the Netherlands uh, called the Efteling. Uh, oh, in, uh, sorry. The Efteling <laughs> is great, but I know what Kay is talking about, which is not my favorite part. No. It's like these little, I was going to say elfin, but they're not like elfin. They're more like goblin-esque little creatures which have like their own little they're village. bizarre humanoids. They're called the, the people of Laaf, yeah. L-A-A-F. It's the land of Laaf and it's, it's supposed to be like adorable and lots of people like these things and they have like a whole series of maquettes and puppets that are sold and that people have in their homes and any home with even one of those things in it, I will not return to. I will certainly not drink their water. Because fair point. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I find it really, really, really upsetting. I know, and but they, they, this critter kind of reminded me of that. It has that weird sort of like a shrunken body, a huge neck, like it's a caricature. Yes, very much so. It's about this size, naked with a face like this. It's a vork. Cute, huh? And I remember not loving it. We've like th- yeah. there have been a few episodes like this, and I really came around to it this oh, time. Oh, okay. In different ways. Because, okay, so the the whole sort of thrust is this creature that they don't understand, they brought aboard to find a parasite. Mm -hmm. Parasites? What kind? And they don't understand what the creature is doing, the Vork. Yeah. But they also see this other creature, this bulbous sort of armored right angry. with with big teeth and like almost mandibles and uh, yeah. big pincer like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. hands and arms so okay back to zan for a moment okay uh, yeah, because we are at, going right well. at the start zan is walking through the quarters and i love her shopping bag yes she's got a, a plastic translucent like vegetable uh, uh bag a basket which, which has like all sorts of stuff in it because uh, they've just gone shopping yes i suppose that's the price you pay for trading in such a prosperous system uh, apparently what she what zan calls a prosperous uh, system and rigel questions well I, that's not how i would describe a, a a system with three planets full of muddy farmers of course she would. Like yes, she, she loves the she loves the plants. She loves everything. And she's, she's a plant bring, person herself. Like this is wealth. And they've been like bringing a lot of food in, apparently, including as Rigel later points out, marjules, which is like a Hynerian delicacy. The oh, little slug things that right. he's, uh, that he's eating oh, before. Oh yes, he's uh, he's all about them. Yeah, he sure does love his marjules. Lovely Hynerian marjules. But this system is also known for the occasional infestation. 
Yes, a bit of a parasites, apparently, that uh, come aboard the ship. And can sometimes kill a crew of 200 people. And all they left behind were these... these... these cocoons or... Cocoons. or something. <laughs> so Dargo and Chiana had some trouble with their translated microbes, with their babel bugs. Didn't yes. work quite well with the local species. Okay, I missed that. We had some problems with our translated microbes and the local merchants, but from what we can gather, this little fella hones in on one specific parasite and eradicates it. Oh, look! He's smelling something! <laughs> it seems a bit weird. Like, you know, you go to this planet, you buy, like, a lot of food and vegetables, because, like, apparently the cargo hold is full of them right now. Cargo oh, hold yeah. three, if I recall. And Very good. afterwards, they go, like, after you bring, uh, buy the stuff and you bring it aboard your ship, they go, like, oh, yeah, we have a parasite problem, so they might be on your ship as well now, and you stand a good chance of getting killed by it. So, bye! Yeah. No worries, no worries. Yeah. Off you go. What a sales pitch. Better to tell them afterwards than not to tell them at all. But we're forget. <laughs> okay, yeah. No. Here's Kate jumping in in defense of market salesmen everywhere. I appreciate that. But we we forget the opening scene where John is playing chess with himself. What are you doing? Playing a game. Aaron yeah. walks in on him and uh, asks him, like, "What are you thinking about?" And then there's another flashback to him in the Aurora chair, and he says nothing. And Aaron's clearly not buying it. He's playing with two things. One of them is a chess set, and one of them is a sort of metal-covered ball. Yes, it's like from uh, Aaron Shinty set. <laughs> yes. I mean, he does wind up later using one of the Space Shinty sticks to, to uh, play golf. Play with. golf. Yep. So this ball that he has, I recognize it. A lot of fans recognize it. It's the same ball that uh, Scorpius plays with at oh. the end of season one. But David Kemper came in and said explicitly, like, they are not the same thing, like, Scorpius hasn't been on board Moya. There's no way for it to be transferred. Like, no. It, maybe that's just a just popular a peace, toy. Just a peacekeeper thing. I right. Guess. Maybe it's yeah. just like, yeah. Maybe they Peace- use that for... Maybe they genuinely have space shinty. Right. Uh, Australian space hockey. I mean, it's from this is from Australia. Oh, wait. There is an Australian hockey. Yes, I do believe there is. Uh, Not much ice, though. So field no. hockey, I presume. Oh, yes. Okay, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of like more like rugby crossed with hockey, and it's apparently quite violent. What the fuck does that... Hey, <laughs> rugby isn't violent. Well, it's no, it's, rough, it's, 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 I believe rugby was once described as being a thugs game played by gentlemen. Versus soccer, uh, European no, football. No, no, American football that they were talking about, which is... A, oh, no. Oh, was, sorry. Oh. Was, uh, uh, do you know what soccer is named for? No. Association football. Oh, Soc- right. football versus yes. rugby football. So in, in like Oxbridge, no. one of them became soccer and the other one became rugger. Rug, oh, rugger rugby, and rugby. Yeah. Right, yes. Uh, there was like a funny thing in the news this week, actually, about an, uh, a rugby player translated from UK English to American English. So, <laughs> okay. So a rugby player, blah, 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 prostitute was... What? Well, he was a hooker. With... <laughs> with which is actually a position in rugby. <laughs> well, it's a position it's, in a lot of places. It's, it's, it's called like that because he's the first person in the scrum and they use their foot to try and hook the ball out yeah. of the out of yeah. the scrum. No, I know so it's a, the position it's, is called I, the hooker, but I know it's, it's a position. It's a, some might call it the oldest position in the world. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, we have that flashback to the Aurora chair again. Did you notice anything weird about this flashback? Because we've seen it before. Um, I don't recall if I ever saw him getting jabbed by one of the... There uh, you go. Yes. Yeah. Something to remember me by, Crichton. That wasn't in the scenes that we, that we no. saw. No, okay. So, yeah, I, I, did, uh, I did notice that then. Very well. Yeah, so he just, like, does his usual defensive thing and Aaron lets it lie. I don't want to talk about it. The human doesn't want to talk. 
Oh, their banter here is fantastic because she says she knows that humans are not accustomed as a species to spending time in space. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, and that she's seen people succumb to what she calls transit madness. Mm. I love that in her culture, it's not called space madness, it's just transit, like whether yeah. it's on a boat or in, in, a spa- in a space, whatever. I mean, I can whatever. imagine that we'd have that over here as well, when you like spend six weeks on a ship going from uh, across the ocean from Australia to uh, Europe or what. Right, yeah. Like, I can imagine you kind of get bored on those ships after a while. I mean, there's only so much shuffleboard you can play. Or submariners. Like oh, I, yeah. I knew someone in the in the Dutch Navy who served on uh, on one of the Dutch submarines, and like you'd go a few months without seeing the uh, uh, the sun, and that does stuff with you. I don't think on the, not so much on the Dutch subs because they're all diesel electric. But depends we, on the position that you serve on. I suppose some might call it the oldest position. <laughs> no, no. So moving on. So she's worried about him and tells him to ask for help, which he says, "Yeah, no. If I need help, I'll ask for it, just like you do, right?" And that's savage. Oh, yes, it is very much. <laughs> it's sort of like, get off my back and let me let me deal with my own problems, oh, just like you do. I didn't catch it very aggressively like that, but it, 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 a, it was a little bit of a throwing it back in her face, yes. Yeah, exactly, because he's asked her to open up before, and yep. she never would, and now she's asking him, yeah, well... Talk to me. Come on, talk to me. Somebody talk to me! What's up? So, who was this episode directed by? Because I noticed a lot of uh, shots through things in the foreground. Is it our famous actor, a director for that? You're thinking of Andrew Prowse, and yeah. no, this one is Tony Tills. But okay. both of them are veterans of the show, and they sort of take over each other's. Like, they're, they're sort of blending together. Certainly after, like, Look at the Princess, which was uh, attributed to both of them, mm-hmm. because one of them did the two-parter, and then another one came in to pad it out, or, you know, fill it out with the three-parter. But both of them are such veterans of the show that, like, each of them are bringing their own own idiom, and that's becoming part of the language of Farscape. Mm. So here you see glorious camera work, which is something that I associate with Tony Tills. Andrew Prowse, a lot of foreground stuff, multi-layered, like deep compositions, Mm -hmm. and Tony Tills, fantastic motion, especially later when we get to Rigel. Rigel has never looked better than in this episode. Well... I know, I, mean, I know. The best Rigel episode doesn't actually feature Rigel because, ooh. Well, I was going to say that when he's in sickbay and he's on the table, you know, that uh, up-chin shot, that's not his best angle. It's not for anyone, but then he does and, the Nosferatu coming back. Yeah, well, I'm talking we'll get about, there. Okay, yeah, we will indeed because... <laughs> I mean, we haven't even, like, uh, got to the opening credits yet and we're like, how far into this episode already? Well, Rigel is sort of hovering through the Cargo Bay 3, which yep. is a sort of like an Indiana Jones where warehouse kind of situation. You've got mist on the floor, so it's clearly chilled, which as an amphibian doesn't seem to bother him too much, and he's no, going through... he's got his uh, throne chair. Rows and rows of the storage containers. They scored a lot of food. Yeah. There's also a lot of cans falling off things in this episode, I noticed. What was that? Mysterious, like, motion and, and, and things being knocked over. He's on the comms with Zan, who has her, you know, her, her shopping her baskets. Tote. How do you describe it? She's like wrist up, elbow down, hooked in the elbow, and just she's doing a. That's how I do my shopping when there were still shopping baskets in the shops around here. Like you've you've just sprayed a new perfume on your wrist, and you're trying to get everybody to enjoy I it. I kind of do. It's such a valley girl thing. It's a good way to hold these horrible baskets that they have at the shop over here. Okay, but fine. Anyway, so yeah, almost immediately, Dargo and Chana bring the little critter on board. There's a new docking shot, I think. I'm not entirely sure that we've seen this one before. Oh, the, yes. When the transport pod arrives on Moya and they wheel in uh, something that's covered in, it looks like a chainmail blanket. Yes. 
And it's a, it's a cage with a creature in it that looks like a naked chicken drumstick. Our parasite problems are solved. Rigel's decided to leave us then, has he? Not likely. We don't know if we even have a parasite problem. Well, that's what this little guy will tell us. <laughs> okay, so for our clarity, uh, this is called the Vork. Yeah. And it has another uh, form that it can transform into, and that is called the Ravork. Okay. Doesn't come up in the episode, it was in the script, but that, that'll enough. just help us. Yep. So we're introduced to the Vork, which is, it's a little it's piss a goblin, baby. Yeah. It's, a, it's a goblin piss baby because they pick it up and it immediately pees all over Dargo. And then scurries off. Let's talk about how everyone responds to this creature. Erin hates it. Yep. Chiana loves it. She thinks it's really cute. Dargo just thinks that it's, oh, it's useful. It's the solution to our problem. Right. Because but then he gets peed on and it kind of like... Takes him off the uh, takes takes a little few points down the scale, and it scurries off. And now they have to find it, and it scurries off like it's on a trail. Okay, so yes, I noticed that the vork moving around is not the best thing of the episode. We no. can just mention that now, and just you can just like see it's like you only see its top half, and it's it's wobbling a little bit to make it look like it's running on short, stubby yeah, legs. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's just, on wheels and somebody's pushing it side yes. to side. And Hey, good job to the... Uh, Creature uh, shop. Yeah, well done. These were not ideal circumstances. And, oh, all right. Uh, so this is when John is, like, playing his golf game and uh, he's doing a little bit of commentary on himself where he's on the 18th hole and he has, like, he's two shots behind and he's, like, oh. Oh, my, Bob, this is a... This is a big chance for the kid from the Uncharted Territories. He's about... Two feet off the green here on the 18th, two strokes off the lead. Question is, will he chip or will he use the putter? Cinderella boy, I've got to, I've got to stop you here and ask you, did you recognize what he was saying? Sorry, what? Caddyshack, baby. He oh, was, it was Caddyshack. Right. I did, yeah. I did notice the, I mean, I've noticed the golf reference. I've been playing a lot of golf games recently. <laughs> so I noticed that there was, abso- <laughs> it made absolutely no sense what he said in regards to the amount of uh, shots that he still had to be able to win the game. Hey, but, that's Caddyshack for yeah, you. Yeah, this is true. So Bill Murray, well, he was uh, quoting, Channeling a young, yeah. disaffected Bill Murray from uh, from Caddyshack. Later on, like, he even talks about, oh, he's hunting golfers. Yes, I, I caught that one. Yeah, yeah. good. See? <laughs> And then he sees, he hears a strange noise in uh, in one of the uh, Jeffrey's tubes, and he sees a strange creature, and he immediately opens fire. Yep, because he I presume he's heard about the parasites at this point. Has he? I don't know. I think so. He wasn't in the room when the thing in the escaped. room where yeah. it happens. The room where it happens. Yeah. I, but also, he, I noticed something like at one point, I think it was early in season one. Yeah. There was like apparently a big deal about. Uh, Unannounced gunfire inside Moya. How dare you cut into Moya without warning? And uh, giving a bit yeah. of a disturbance to Moya. That's kind of gone out the window. I noticed. Look, I think the pilot just got used to it. <laughs> you know, you complain. To, you complain about like people. Like, okay, could you please take your shoes off before you walk? In? Could you please take you? And after like the ninth time, and they're still not doing it, you go, well, I guess I'm vacuuming three times a day now. Yeah, fair enough. But he sort of switched from, hey, here is a space mystery that we need to understand to shoot first. Yes. I mean, he is clearly on edge in this entire episode. He's been for a while. The entire Uh, seasonal, for that matter. This is one of the things that really set Farscape apart. As a show, less the characters, more the show. The show has a memory. Mm. Uh, Things that happened have effects. And innocence is one of those things you can't really get it back. No, And he starts off very innocent, as we saw in season one. He'd always be trying to, to understand, but he has been hurt so much. Quite badly. And apparently now 
he immediately grabs his gun. Oh, you get a really good close-up of the uh, uh, the holsters that they're using. I noticed that, yeah. They've got this little clicky thing and the uh, gun jumps out into your hand. Because at this point, they're still using, later on that, that, that changes, but they're using a sort of holster system that it has like prongs, so you can just sort of snap yeah. the gun to your thigh rather yeah. than slide it in anything. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a sideways motion. Uh, eventually they abandoned that because falling onto it was extremely painful. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so later on it, it it became sort of, maybe we can spot when that happens, so they actually get to I'll the... Keep, I'll probably keep my eye on that. I'm always sheathing. interested in those kind of things. Well, yeah, you're, a, you're an avid uh, sports marksman. Yeah. After the credits, we return to this gorgeous shot of the interior of that. Jeffrey's tube is filled with smoke. It's got light blasting through it. Nobody believes him. Well, maybe it was one of those parasites. We never did get a good description so of it. So you fired at it while it was in this compartment, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, there's no other way out of there. Where did it go? I don't know. Because it's an enclosed space and, like, nothing could escape from it. And are you sure it wasn't just Rigel and his, um, as Pilot calls it, cache of Yes. Food? You broke into Rigel's food cache and fired at an imaginary enemy. Is that how you pronounce it? That's no, a cache, isn't it? That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, like Australians, you don't know what how they talk. Lani Tupu is uh, is Kiwi. Oh, he's, well, uh, well yes. he's of Samoan descent, but he's uh, he's New Zealand born right. and raised. But you know, okay, they they do have a distinct different accent. But yeah, okay. So I learned how to distinguish the Australian accent from the New Zealand accent from Claudia Black, who mocks the New Zealand accent or exaggerates in one of the uh, commentaries by describing it. uh, So uh, uh, New Zealand is different because you say fish and chips in Australia, but in New Zealand you say fish and chips. Fish and chips. And instead of pens and pencils, you have pins and tinsels. Okay. According to her. I shall keep an eye on that. Or an ear on that, I should say. Oh, ears, your your ear brows will be lifted. We get some lovely close-ups on Rigel as he's wandering about the ship Mm. because, hey, psst, He's actually not Rigel. No, as we learned almost at the end of the episode. Yeah, and this was the moment where I was, where I sort of realized, like Rigel looks great in close-up. They've done a sort of new thing where they take a much smaller camera, much closer to his face. It sort of reminded me of the stuff that they wound up doing with uh, the Dark Crystal TV series. Oh yeah, like a small mobile camera close to this puppet's face and like following him around as he moves his head. Which is a very daring choice, considering the fact that you're working with a puppet. Yeah. So really, really fantastic work. And it's not even really Rigel. It's so great. Zan is unpacking her shopping. There's more cans falling off. And it turns out that, yeah, the little Vork has already escaped and they're trying to find him. Great camera work in general. Yeah. Like lots of wonderful camera angles and like coming up from below. And oh, it's such a feast for the eyes, this, uh, this scene where essentially nothing happens except like... Come on, little... What's his name? Well, I couldn't just name him, Zan. He's a free spirit. You can appreciate that. Zan and China try to uh, find the critter, but fail miserably until Aaron just wanders in and just, like, grabs it by the neck. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, just here it is. What are, you, it. what are you complaining about? This thing should be out hunting. You can play with it later. Does it look like we were playing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has a job to do. And off it scurries into the great beyond again. Because, like, not everybody's convinced that it's really actually working or whether it's just yes, yeah, just just peeing over people and uh... so yeah, I had a few thoughts at this point. So All like, right. I immediately dropped into the okay. So who is the real parasite here? It's like, is this All right, is this me. a thing which is going? My uh, innate suspicion starts coming on. It's like maybe this creature that we have has been brought on board as the cure is actually the parasite. Yep, which is what the conclusion the crew later arrives at as well. And the other question I had is like, so 
how much food did they bring on board in order for like this thing to hide in? So that was like my immediate thought. Like we right. have like this fairly big critter, which is about like the sheep-sized thing as we see it at first. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that's not a parasite that accidentally slips on board in a food crate. Yeah. We get no indication of the scale of this parasite. They even talk about, like, what is it? Even if this real parasite exists, which I'm still not convinced it does, we have no idea what it is. Is it an insect, a microorganism, another creature like this? Yeah, they don't know. So it seems weird that, like, a creature that size would be a parasite that comes aboard unnoticed. Yeah, well, this is space... No, weird, true. weird stuff. So, no, no, I'm not dismissing your concern because that's certainly something that I felt when, uh, I mean, in my memory, this was not a very good episode. Mm-hmm. It had a terrible creature that I didn't love. It had, in fact, two terrible creatures that I didn't love, yeah. and a plot that was all about like mistaken identity and 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 regret and lots of running through corridors where not much happens. And now that I've watched it again, like so much happens with with Crichton and Aaron and moving the the plot of his trauma and his possible insanity along, the visions that he's having, Aaron having having grown as well. Oh, the relationship between Dargo and Chiana, like the, mm. yeah, the, the the honeymoon period sort of wearing off. They're into the bickering phase now. They're starting to uh, settle. Yes. Dargo, the ball got away from me again. You have to stay with it. Easy for you to say. So John is moving around the ship, thinks he's found the parasite, but it turns out Rigel, although, haha, yeah, <laughs> turns out. So, like, this is so interesting. I was watching it with the foreknowledge, and I was paying attention to, like, the actual interactions between uh, uh, the Vork or the Ravork and Rigel, who is the parasite, and especially Rigel's behavior. Like, why is he in any of these spaces? And trying to figure that out from the motivation of the parasite, Mm. which is fascinating. Like, he's hanging around, like, food sources. Get away from there. That food belongs to me. Which is where the real Rigel is cocooned. Yes. uh, The life force still being stapped out of him. So maybe he was, like, defending that. Maybe it uh, depends on a connection with Rigel. Uh, And later on, like, hanging around... Dargo, because that comes up next. Everybody's searching for this creature, and oh, yeah, Aaron's the one who finds it. Yes, she gets bit. And she steps in its doo doo. Yeah. And it's sitting on her bed, and she pushes it off. And then twice. it starts humping it's her leg. Yeah. So, yes, she definitely didn't code as female, but. Hate. Well. I have met certain girl dogs okay. who are very enthusiastic about certain boots. Okay, let's fair let's say that. But yeah, she says to uh, uh, Dargo and Chiana, like, come and get it. And Dargo tries to be the voice of reason, just let it do its thing. You're as bad as Chiana. Just leave it alone and let it do its job. It's, it's getting used to the environment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so while it's enthusiastically getting getting used to Aaron's environment, suddenly its nose and ears wobble and twitch because it has detected something. And it scurries off, runs away, yeah. And the next scene that we have is uh, Chiana and Rigel hiding behind some crates while the Ravork is attacking them, and they have no idea what's the case. Well, Chiana has no idea. Uh, Rigel obviously knows that uh, he's being, because he's the parasite, he's yes. being attacked by his natural predator. This is where we see that new corridor that you were talking about. Yes, we see Dargo walking through this, I don't know, it's like, I, I almost say fleur-de-lis-shaped corridor. It's not entirely correctly, but that's about the only I way understand I can, what you I can, mean. Uh, yeah. I can describe it. So we've seen a lot of Jeffrey's tubes that are like this, but they're usually of a much smaller scale. Yes. Like uh, the tube where uh, Darko was originally flushed out in uh, uh, They Have Got a Secret was that shape. But here mm. it's tall enough for him to stand up. They've got lots of different colored lights. It's a great hallway for running. 
Lots of hallway running, hallway running, hallway running, and a, a little shootout in the, the maintenance bay, or the cargo bay, or the, the main one of bay, the two, yeah. With this creature that seems to be attacking Chiana and Rigel. No, we don't know that it's only going for Rigel. Rigel, yes. Dargo to the rescue, but he is attacked by the Ravork and knocked yes. to the ground. And bit as well. Only bit a little bit. And this introduces the plot of Dargo has been infected with some kind of alien toxin. Yes. But Erin hasn't, despite the fact that she was bitten by the Rourke. No. And this, and this whole plot line, even at the end, still confused me a little bit. Like, what, okay. what, the, he- what the heck is going on here? Let's take a look at the Jeeves, because yeah. uh, after this attack, when Erin and John arrive, we mm-hmm. see Rigel taking care of Dargo. Yes. Oh, come on, Luxon, come on. He must not die. Mm. Shoving his fingers into Dargo's mouth. Oh, yeah. This is where good. it's poisoning Dargo. Yes. And it's saying, Luxon, you have to live. You have to live because it's going to incubate its next brood. Into Dargo. Yeah. Yeah, that explains it. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Uh, no, of course. In retrospect, I didn't, you, uh, yeah. No, there's no way that you, yeah. that you could. This is stuff that you catch on a, on a second or, or, or third watching. Ooh, Zan's doing her science to uh, to Dargo. Yep. And now I actually get to zoom in on the Jeef. Let's see if he does, in fact, have two of... Ev- well, it's hard to see. Oh, it's being very discreet. You don't really see anything. No. It's a really cool sort of bullet-shaped scanner. It's, or the, uh, uh, the holographic projector, Yes, I, I see say. what you mean. Everyone is bitching at Zan. Everyone is questioning Zan's ability, starting with Chiana. Obviously, she's just channeling her frustration that uh, her boyfriend is under the weather. I don't need to be a healer to see that Dargo's getting worse. But you do need to be a healer to make him better. Now shut up and let me get back to work, or leave. Uh, doubting Zan's abilities seems to be such a running theme through this episode. I kind of hated that. I mean, she's just doing her thing. She's trying to make the best. She eventually investigates the creature and decides that it's not poisonous. Yeah. So must have missed something. But uh, yeah, more, more, more hunting for the critter. DRDs are being put into effect. I loved this. Because you've got John and Aaron uh, stalking through the hallways like Cagney and Lacey. Like, <laughs> they're really, really cool. And you've got the DRDs. They've got little, they've got little green scanning lasers in this episode. Did you mm. see? It's so cool. You've got... These are probably like the poker-playing uh, sort of DRDs. laser quest DRDs. Because <laughs> they're the tough ones. They're the ones you want on a mission like that. Eventually, Crichton tries to decides to do the smart thing, and he sits in front of a, a, a clamshell, and he goes through the security cameras, which I guess is like different, like DRD camera footage. And again, we have uh, Scorpius popping up into his like he's like clearly having visions right now. Yeah, or, yeah, not exactly flashbacks, but like Scorpius is definitely in his mind. You'll never see it coming, John. Because Scorpius appears on the clamshell mm-hmm. and. He sounds so sexy. Like it's a really creepy <laughs> it's not the kind word of sexy. I would have t- chosen, but yeah. No, but there's is such a strong sexual tone to that. Yes. I'm still really curious to find out whether we have listeners who are now proud and contributing members of their BDSM communities uh, uh, who, who had their awakening. <laughs> because wow. Especially, like, there's a later hallucination where John sees Scorpy behind Aaron and then grinning yes. at him while she can't see him. And oh, Zan puts Dargo in the uh, I don't know, in the ventilation ducts or whatever it is, Moya's nodes or neural cluster, neural cluster, a, a new location it. we haven't seen before, and it's pretty amazing. She puts him in this teal pajama with, with sort of scales, Which almost looks like a straight jacket. To yeah. Me. yeah, it's really long sleeves. What's going on? Get me out of here. 
and he's being uplit and upblasted, and it's Luxon L'Oreal at uh, <laughs> at its at its finest. Maybelline, maybe it's himself. <laughs> maybe it's Luxon, because apparently Moya's neural clusters are able to like fortify his cells and give him so yeah, help him along with the poisoning and try to stave it off a little bit. His like mustache braids are sort of blown Flapping up, flapping all over the place. He Mus- looks like Pippi Longstocking. I see what you mean. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He looks great in teal. Yes, I mean, it does work well with his usual red and uh, the red of his hair, so it's a good contrast. It's a lovely contrast, yeah. and, the, and the hair and tentacles flapping all about. Uh, Rigel comes in again, once again, the uh, the parasite checking on its on its new host. Floating around in uh, Rigel's throne chair. Yes, and doing a very good Rigel impersonation. Yes. But when I do die, Gianna's going to get all of my possessions. You always expect the worst of me. Well, that's Rigel. Have I bestowed the gift of my company on a shipmate in oh, need? Oh yes. No, because he's just like keeping an eye on him, like see how the uh, infestation is uh, progressing. I suppose it's such a shame because if this was the actual Rigel, I would love him. He looks so great. He's actually really caring toward his uh, his crewmates. Well, that's what I, th- I think because he is trying to. Uh See, like, oh, I infected him, but like, oh, I hope this like medical stuff isn't working too well. Because yeah, there go my plans. Erin, meanwhile, is doing a Luke Skywalker yes! with Yoda on her back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was Claudia Black's idea. She went, oh, 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 give me a, give me a tank top, and we'll do, uh, we'll do nice. <laughs> Luke Skywalker on Dagobah. <laughs> and she's asking, okay, left, right, which way, this way, and it's it's constantly like it's it's touching her face and poking its. It's it's gangly finger into her mouth, which, with animatronics, is no mean feat. True. Mumbling a little bit through it, clearly not too happy about it, but she uh, suffers it. She sees that, oh, you're you're enthusiastic, I'm going to put you down. Now, go after it, not too fast and not too far, and it's it's gone. gone again, yeah. This is like a recurring theme. Anytime they find it again, uh, they let it go eventually, and then it's gone again, it disappears. Yep. And it's, uh, it's Chiana who sees it first. And she sees the Ravork, which is the yes. first time that we get to see the Ravork in action. Which is, at this point, it's like heavily implied that this is the parasite, although it doesn't look like a parasite at all. No, it's it like looks fucking a... awful. It, it is, is yeah. terrible. In fact, I'm going to grab uh, the creature book again because yes. Dave Elsie talks about this. Let me see. The little gremlin character was based on a maquette I'd done when I was 18 or 19. That's the Vork. Mm-hmm. And the other version didn't end up very well. David Kemper said, the, the showrunner, we're going to hire a little person to go in the costume and you can make this little hairy character. And then Dave Elsie said, please don't make me do this. I've seen dwarves in hair suits before and it never works. If you force me to do this, I will make an Ewok. There's no way around it. <laughs> and they hired a little person named Arthur and they cast the sort of Ravork uh, right. thing around him, which did not work very well. because It, it, it looked To me, it looked more chitinous. Because it's f***ing terrible. So they made this prosthetic suit for this gentleman called Arthur, but he had several like health issues and mm-hmm. uh, paralysis on one side of his face. And like it was really tough to get a, a life cast that moved well because, you know, Hollywood actors were all symmetrical and beautiful in that way. Yes. And then after two days, he decided he hated it. He absolutely hated it and he wouldn't do it anymore. And then they brought in a, a, another little person actor who yeah. didn't fit the makeup or the, the, oh, the prosthetics yeah. at well at all. And he also hated it. And then they brought in a third who was even a worse fit. But like... And it more was a, Yeah, it was an absolute, absolute disaster. So as he says in the end... Oh, yes. 
A third little person came in who didn't fit the costume and makeup in an entirely different way. I remember, says Dave Elsie, gluing him into the makeup one day, and we had just covered his face in prosade, which I guess is that glue, mm-hmm. and turned around to pick up the prosthetic, and I heard somebody blow his nose. I turned around, and it was this person who had blown his nose into a handkerchief and glued the whole tissue to his face. <laughs> it was just a disaster. So as I predicted, we made an Ewok, a character that nobody liked, and it was an absolutely self-fulfilling prophecy, which I think is unfair to Ewoks, because they're cute. Right, they are. So, yeah, we, uh, we see Chiana opening fire on the Ravork. Everybody else is running to, uh, uh, toward her. And this is where we get a cool scene between John and Chiana. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Chiana. I don't trust Aaron to wing that thing, and she's a good shot. Where he tells her, hey, you don't need to be here. Because uh, yeah. someone that you love is in, in danger. And- yeah. Chiana, go back to Dargo and give him a reason to live. And she's going like, well... What do you want me to do? Like, sit by him and watch him die? This is what I do. Like, I go out and try to do things about it. I don't, like, sit and comfort people. I want to... uh, Yeah. Yeah, I want to help and, like, do something about it, not just, like, sit around and wait for the inevitable. And they're fortunately called away where, I mean, Crichton gets it. He backs down. Like, his advice was good, but it was uh, was not necessary in this case. Not uh, Not the right advice for the situation. Because the creature has been detected, says Pilot, in the command. So off they go to the command, where they seal it. They manage to, uh, yeah, close off command, use the gas grenade. And actually, no, first they find the Vork. Yes. And then we get this, like, kind of horrifying scene where it suddenly its mouth opens, yawns open wide. Yeah. And the uh, Ravork jumps out. Yeah, it's like it flops sort of inside out. It's flying through the air. It seems to be made out of organs or whatever, and it solidifies into the... Uh, yeah, so it's a weird shape-changing thing. I'd like At first, I thought, like, okay, so it already ate the parasite, and now it's spitting it back out again? And yeah, I'm I was just like, really curious. Like, what were you thinking when this was happening? Well, literally that. Yeah. They shoot it a little bit, but they used a gas grenade. So apparently the golf ball that he's been using was actually a gas grenade. Grenades! No, it's a different one. It's got a pin. Oh, Look. yeah. You're, yes, you're right. Yes. He actually pulls the pin, no, but the girls, right, they yeah. all uh, uh, they all take it with the teeth. The girls uh, are way cooler with the And there's, there's purple smoke coming out of it, and the creature goes down. Apparently uh, highly localized smoke, because yeah. none of them are wearing breathers or anything. No. no maybe they know how to hold their breath or something. Drag well, some cre- of them have recent practice. I'm Fair sure. True. So they drag it back to the medical quarter so Zahn can investigate it, and she comes to the conclusion that it is not at all poisonous in any way, shape, or form. Everyone questions Zan's abilities again, which she gets nothing to do. Uh, we see a nice scene with Chiana comforting Dargo yes. in, the, in the sort of so she, blow dryer. She actually kind of does do the thing that uh, John suggested that she go do. You've still got all of the like smoke blasting up. It sort of reminded me of... Have you ever done one of those sort of wind tunnel skydiving yes. things? Is that sort of like, what does it do to your hair? Oh, you're wearing a helmet, so. Oh, boo. Yeah, sorry. Cagney and Lacey are back on the case. <laughs> yes. Walking Aaron, through corridors. Much corridors have been walked through in this episode. Bitching at one another because they have the creature trapped now. Yeah. The, what they think is the the Ravork in a container. Or, I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's being guarded by one of the uh, the hardcore DRDs. Yes, the laser ones. Keeping an eye on them. And Crichton has the idea, let's inject it with babel bugs, with translator yes. microbes. Why don't we see if we can get the incredible Vork here to understand us? And here we have, no joke, my favorite scene in this episode. Like, I, I, I remember thinking that this creature yeah. was so stupid and this plot was so frustrating from that first time around. And here they're... I think that most of the dialogue between Crichton and Aaron was even ad-libbed by okay. them. Yes. 
because like Aaron questions whether this creature can understand them. Like maybe we should just give it to Zan for dissection. Yeah, let's yes. kill it. And then suddenly you go, wait, what? And the what? creature immediately starts responding to that. And at that point, John realizes that yes, the translation microbes do work. Right? It heard you. Take it back. Yeah, take it back. And she makes her apologize. Hello, I'm sorry. I don't want to kill you. <laughs> That's terrible. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, and are you the parasite? The answer to that is no. Who's going to say yes to that? That is no. Okay. Aaron, who would say yes to that? The That's answer insane. is always no. <laughs> That's always yes. going to be no. What are you? But fortunately, pilots can kind of make out what it's saying. Somewhat. Yeah, this was some cool sort of sci-fi bullshit that I yes. really enjoyed. Because of his connection to Moya, he's more accustomed to non-verbal communication. This yes. creature is expressing and itself it's just like, through... Yeah, just like single word, like expressions that it can translate. Instinctual uh, responses, that, yeah. sensations. That's actually really, really cool. Yeah, and there's a little bit of like the, the, the words that it says kind of help uh, bring out what the... Uh, at least its perception on the situation. So one of the words that it keeps saying is friend, 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 which they interpret yes. as, oh, it's our friend. Yeah. I think it's actually saying the parasite is one of your friends. Yes, that and makes that's sense. as far as it can yeah. it can get. Not much comes of that other than the fact that they decide to let, actually let it go again. So you want us to free you so you can kill the parasite. That's a better question. Clarification. And that's a yes. Do you trust it? I don't know. Well, after conveying to it, hey, hey, like, watch out. Like, Brighton shows his gun. We're on to you, yeah. We're going to roll the dice. But you make one wrong move, I will shoot you. You understand? Shoot. Katow, katow, katow. Little bolts of light. Ouch. And so be very careful. Rajul is not so much about this, which we le- we figure out later, of course, is uh, because he is the parasite. Rigel looks so good. You've got the, the <laughs> lighting going over his face as he's wandering, uh, hovering through the corridors. Fantastic camera work following his face. It's an incredible, incredible performance for the, the puppeteers this, uh, this episode. Tim Meaville and uh, Fiona, oh, I forgot her surname, and the whole team have just really done fantastic work here. I mean, hey, like, Pilot gets a lot to do, Rigel gets a lot to do, the Vork gets a lot to do, the Ravork is a little person in a, in a bad suit that everybody regrets, but yeah. oh well, can't win them all. There's a lot of puppeteering in this one. There is. Uh, so there's a, uh, a, a tense scene in the cargo bay again when uh, they're trying to find the Ravork, which is stalking Rigel, and they, of course, don't realize why it's doing that. But the Ravork gets shot, Rigel gets uh, bit, injured, whatever, not entirely sure what happens, and he See, also gets back. when the Ravork confronts Rigel... Rigel lunges at it. Yeah. And this was also a moment where I thought, wow, I wish this was the real Rigel that was so brave and and, and courageous because it's pretty cool. Help! Anybody! Help! Kill it! Kill it! Kill it! But yeah, bringing Rigel back to the med bay, Zan discovers that his wounds are full of Toxin. Yes. Because, yeah, he is a poisonous collection of parasites, as it turns out. So no wonder there. So I'm kind of weird. I mean, I guess it's the parasite must also be some sort of shapeshifter because, like, the way it later manifests. I mean, you'd see that if that was Rigel, you know, if like she's waving her scanning wand over him 
and if it like it, it manifests as these little four legged spider like critters, yeah, and, which like make him up. Like you see his eye pop out, and it turns out to be one of these creatures, and his eye reforms again. So it must be some sort of weird shapeshifter parasite as well. Yeah, that they can like imitate uh, kidneys or you know yeah. gallbladders or whatever. John is having flashbacks again because he almost shoots Aaron because he thinks she's being stalked by uh, oh. Scorpy. What the frell was that for? What the frell? What did you just shoot at me for? And he's like, no, uh, just, just clearing checking, my head. Check, checking my gun, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but they're soon distracted by the reappearance of the Ravork, which they've now decided must be the parasite because it attacked uh, attacked Rigel. Mm. They stalk it into the cargo bay. Yes, well, we have the scene where, like, first it disappears and then they, it suddenly shows itself and then runs down the corridor. Yeah. And Aaron wants to go right after her and John stops her and goes like, <laughs> why would it escape from us and then show itself unless it's, like, leading us into a trap? And then Aaron like, goes, yeah, a trap, right? Yeah. Why would it come back for us unless it was leading us? Into a trap, what else? Right, as long as we both know. And then we'll just run and then, and the run right after it. Because <laughs> what else are we going to do? Yeah. We don't have better plans than that. <laughs> and they corner it and open fire. Yep, they manage to hurt it, wound it. But just as it lies there, like squirming around, uh, suddenly they spot this black webbing on the wall. Yeah, that was behind the uh, the container that the Ravork pulled away. Can you say cocoon? And then Ravork reaches out and slices it open and yeah, out one falls. Yeah, one is big, like, crab-like uh, yes. leg pincers yeah, that it yeah. uses. And out falls Rigel, like a looking worse for the wear. Holy body snatchers, start talking. Who tries to tell them that he's he's been trapped and they're starting to become suspicious. Oh, so the parasite can take us over. Until he farts helium. Yes, how do we know it's actually you? And then you go... <laughs> okay. Let's get to the command! Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, also apparently it's been like sucking on his mind as well as his body because uh, feeding it uh, the uh, the knowledge that it uh, needs to actually be Rigel. It certainly does suck. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that they actually leave him in there though and go running for the... Uh... <laughs> yes. I mean, he doesn't have a throne sled and uh, nope. they've used most of their puppeteering budget. Yeah. Where are you going? In the meantime, we get the scene where, like, bugs are starting to fall off Rigel. It's very, like, Tony Tills talked about it, like, The Mummy was their inspiration. Oh, I can see that, yes. Then a reasonably recent, a recent film, but, like, Tony Tills really wanted that kind of mummy scene and for Rigel's eye to pop yeah, out. Yeah. So he was very careful about the use of uh, a CGI throughout this episode. Yes. And eventually he landed on, when you see all of the dead bugs... Yeah. He really thought, okay, so we need to show all these bugs. How are we going to do that without CGI? And what they did was they took a bunch of raisins and glued legs onto them. That's a lot of legs. Yeah, but that's fine. That saved him CGI budget, so yeah. he could have this shot that he really wanted. Yeah, Rigel, or Bug Rigel, attacks uh, Zan. Parigel? Par- par- Parigel? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Rigel's fairly parasitical on, on a good day. Anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like that's okay. We we skipped over that in the in the opening scene. Like we have a solution to our parasite problem. Oh, Rigel decided to leave. Yes, <laughs> which turned turned out to be more prophetic than oh we yeah thought in the, in the beginning. There's a big shootout. Uh, lots of gun blazing. John grabs a I don't know liquid nitrogen CO two hose, which he uses to freeze all of the little scurry things that uh, Rigel turns into once he gets shot. It's so cool. Like they they blast this fake Rigel until his head explodes, and yeah, like all of the scarabs come uh, come scurrying out. Crichton throws his gun over at Aaron, who yeah. catches it left handed, cross armed. 
Pretty cool move there. Cross-firing the guns. That's like that's not a good way to shoot guns, but yeah, you know, whatever. It's really, really cool. And yeah, between the uh, I don't know what it is. It's probably not fuel. It's probably some some cryogenic. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. It's like CO two or liquid nitrogen or something yeah, like yeah, that. Something so like that. It's like something stupid called because it like it makes this low hanging fog and it freezes all the little bug critters. Yeah, definitely hold that with your bare hands and your exposed arms. There's, yeah, well, there's a handle on it, but Osha yeah. has a lot to say about the the sort of equipment safety on Moya. I'm sure, but we're left with lots of leggy raisins on the ground. What the frell is that? Aaron steps on it, crunch, and tells everyone. Sorry, Sorry about, about the mess. mess. Yeah. And then they leave. Yep, like, deal with it. It's like leaving Zan to clean up. And Chiana, who's been, like, protecting Dargo with her body this whole time, offering no explanation. <laughs> Look, what's that quote from? Sorry about the mess. Is that... What, is I have it, no idea. It's Ghostbusters, right? Is it's, it? Could be. That sort it of rings a, Or maybe I'm just thinking about Bill Murray because of Caddyshack. There's a uh, almost tearful scene in which the, the Vork is dying in Aaron's arms. Yeah, so... This one really got me. Because it's it's Gellert, right? Gellert? Oh, uh, uh, Gellert is the Welsh version that I know of a, of, a, of a common sort of medieval European story, the Faithful Hound. Oh, right. So Gellert was the dog of a knight, and the knight goes out to you know, do, do adventure. Right. And the knight comes back to find, like, Gellert covered in blood and the, uh, uh, and the nursery with the knight's newborn baby. Right, like, yes, yes. All covered in, and ruined in blood. And he, like, strikes Gellert down because he's foaming at the mouth. And he yeah. must have been... Uh, and then he finds out, oh, there's a dead snake. Yeah, and the dog was protecting the baby, yeah. And the baby is still alive, and the dog had been bitten by the snake, and it was poisoned. And so it's a, it's a great tragedy. Like yes. This. I think Gellert is memorialized in, like, a bridge hero there. Like, it's a great, great story. And so, like... Yes, it's very much like that. And, like, especially with the title, Beware of Dog. That's, yeah. yeah. Violet, he says he's happy. Is there anything we can do to help? I don't think the creature understands the concept. And so, like, the Vork's tearful, like, passing in the arms of Aaron. Yes. Especially. Like, she's... She's very, very sorry, and she tries to express it to the Vork, but as Pilot says, I don't think it understands the concept. Right, although it does keep repar- uh, repeating friend, I believe, or... It's happy that it's yeah. fulfilled what it's for, and that's about as much as it's able to understand. And it's, it's done its thing, it's like it's caught the parasite. Yeah. Uh, John is back as his chess game. Yeah. Playing himself, or actually playing Scorpius. We're going to have to do something to v- sort of vocally verbalize whenever you do air, air quotes. quotes. Sorry, yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a little sound effect. Yeah, because uh, as he's talking to Aaron, he finally opens up about... Uh, yes, about he something. actually tells him that uh, that he's losing it, like that he's been having visions or apparitions of uh, yeah. Scorpius appearing. and like They're not memories, they're not hallucinations. No. Uh, and Aaron seems to be, you know almost casual about that like she's like not very much concerned about this apparently it doesn't fit the symptoms of uh, transit madness no so it must be one of his own things and she asks him why didn't you kill him when you had the chance yes and he said i tried but he couldn't the way ben browder performed this yeah i tried tried but i couldn't something stopped me he is so haunted he is so defeated in that moment because he must have been wondering this himself yeah like why didn't i like how would you deal with 
your own behavior being incongruous, being, yeah. being unable to understand why you did or didn't do something. I guess it's like, you know, partially Stockholm Syndrome-ish type things. Mm. PTSD has been a yeah. strong theme, yeah. There you go. So, whew. And uh, then we find out he hasn't been playing himself. He's been seeing Scorpius as yes. well. You'll never see it coming, John. When the trap closes, it'll be too late. He actually wins the match against Scorpius. Who graciously topples his king. King, but apparently that was not the trap that he's referring to, been referring to. It was like, you'll never see it coming. You think? What a fun show we're doing. Yeah, what a hilarious. fun filled, <laughs> fantastic comedy podcast based on a hugely fun, ooh, 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 ooh. drama free, uh, lighthearted <laughs> uh, space uh, hijinks episode. Yeah, just the tragedy of Gellert. And oh. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. How are we going to handle the Willies and Woodies? Because I think. Okay, oh. the Ravork is so obvious, it can't be. We can't say Ravork. No. Because it's such a tragedy for everyone involved. And, like, it's just, you swing big and sometimes you miss. And, you know, we've, well, we've okay. heard how Dave Elsie feels about it. And I'm sure that the actors who performed this creature also... I mean, s- the Vork alone is also worthy of a willy. Because it's just like this weird little critter. I mean, okay. Sort of piss goblin. Right, yes. Genuine willy, I think, would go to the scene where uh, Rigel's face is, like, starting to fall apart and then all the little bug critters. That was, like... That That's was, my woody! Oh, well, I, I mean... It's, yeah! It's, no, it's, it's, it, gave, it gave me... It kind of gave me the willies. It's yeah, not like I thought it was a bad thing, but right, it was, right. like, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, his eye pops out and yes. then goes back into his nostril and it pops back at... Fantastic! And also, like, when he wakes up behind Zan like a zombie on the autopsy slab. Yes. Ooh. And it starts moving up and, like, oh, attacks her. No, that was a good scene. How about your Woody? My Woody would go to... Ooh, let me think about that for a second. Woody, 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 your man mm. after midnight. <laughs> I mean, I think my Woody would have to go to John's character development here. The oh, fact how yeah. he is, like, yes, his slow slide into, well, yeah, let's call it PTSD, and but how, especially how it's portrayed, how well it's done throughout yeah, right. the entire episode, that he's, like, he's clearly losing it, seeing Scorpius, and we have that little injector thing, so there might be something coming up in the future mm-hmm. regarding that, that Scorpius has indeed, like, gotten his claws into him in some yet unrevealed way. Ooh. <laughs> Be a good Halloween episode, wouldn't it? Oh, we're still a little ways away from Halloween. Oh, in our real yes. chronology, uh, I think in this case as well. Like, oh, okay. So I have a Willy as well, and yeah. it's something that we haven't talked about. It's when Dargo has just been attacked, yes, and he's on the ground, and, and after Para pa, yes. uh, has been sort of uh, yes, my precious, offering over him, oh, apparently yes, like. Yeah, yeah. Poisoning him, everybody comes to him, and he starts shaking and and quivering. Right, yeah. Uh, and John immediately says, "Hold him down, hold him down." Once again, practicing human medicine on an alien, and also. Yes. John, what are you doing? Stop! Hasn't he suffered enough? That won't help. When somebody's having a tonic seizure, holding them down is not necessarily the best thing no, to do. No, generally speaking, you like make Move sure all that the they furniture out of the yeah, way. can't bump themselves into anything and just like yeah. But because yeah, Maybe. you don't want to like. You could damage their tendons if you stop their their, yeah. their motion and like. Ugh. I mean, once again, this is not a medical, medical advice. Podcast. Yeah, we cannot issue. Please don't believe us or or anything. And my Woody, oh well, Rigel, 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 Rigel throughout. Like it mm. was so glorious when he's a, a CGI parasite. Yeah, that looked really good. That was yeah, really right. well done. They, that must have taken up a big chunk of their budget. A well spent. 
Oh, I've got a last bit of trivia for you. Yes. This episode was written by Narain Shankar. It's uh, uh, sounds vaguely familiar, but well, he's the showrunner for The Expanse now. Oh, okay. Uh, started his career as a as a oh. plucky little intern in the later S- seasons of uh, Spe- Next Generation. Speaking of parasite infested people, what? Oh, oh, the proto molecule. Yes, that's the one. All right, so maybe that's. <laughs> oh no, you heard it here first. Like the expanse is just Naren Shankar's attempt to realize his vision of Beware of Dog, episode two fourteen of Farscape. Oh wait, I had one more, one more, Woody. When the real Rigel comes to in the yeah. end, he talks about. Fortunately, that courageous Vork was here to rescue me. That is really cool. He's never been that cool to anyone. Yes, or that, that grateful. And especially to, like, something that so many people would consider a lesser life form, mm-hmm. and to call him courageous. Very good point. And that's the story so far, Scape. See us next week for episode 215, Won't Get Fooled Again, in which, hold on to your high heels, it's going to be a sweaty ride, a deja vu-filled acid trip, leaves a crewmate doing the time warp again in possibly the most disjoint non-secretor of the show so far, Scape. Thank you, Thank Wookie. Thank you, Wookie. That was a really, really good one. You can find us at so Farscape on Facebook and Twitter. We're on SoFarscape.com. If you have a synopsis, you can leave that at SoFarscape.com slash submit. Once again, try not to use anybody's name. And if you want to chip in, like so many of our, our listeners have done, thank you so much. You can find the link to our Patreon on SoFarscape.com slash support. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.